Bow, Doctor. I want to see it. I want it out of me. I'm afraid we don't have the personnel to perform a procedure like that. Our best option... I want it out. ...put you back into cryostasis until we return to Earth. Please, get it out of me. Get it out of me! This is In The Cut, and hello, I'm Jesse. Thank you for joining me for our first ever episode of what I think is going to be a really fun and interesting project. In The Cut is not exactly a movie review podcast so much as kind of a movie disassembly. It's already lots of great, great podcasts out there to help you decide if you should see a movie or not. But what we want to do is take a whole movie and kind of put it on the operating table. So for that reason, even if you're one of these terrible people who doesn't worry about movie spoilers, you still will have more fun if you've recently watched or rewatched the movie, which is why if I've got everything set up in time, I'll have links f- for all the ways you can watch our movie at www.inthecut.org. And since our first episode here is about the 2012 film Prometheus, that's what you should see if you visit in the cut.org right now and ways to see it so with that out of the way let's get down to it here's john and i so prometheus john what'd you think it's i i liked that movie i thought it was enjoyable i'm really glad that you liked it because i thought it was just the whole i thought the whole thing was just a blown opportunity really fell apart at the seams just over and over again. I, I felt that there were a few storyline components that didn't feel very well thought through. Okay, so let's start with the pictographs. So uh, we just have to assume that the alien timeline coincides in some fashion with the Predator timeline. Are you willing to agree with well, me on that? No, I don't, I don't even want Predators to exist in this universe. But okay, no, it's a, okay if it if it helps like to put the story in a in a logical framework. Then let's well, go with this, it. Well, this this doesn't. This actually shoots another hole in it for you. <laughs> but okay, so in Predator Two, there's a big fucking alien skull right there in their trophy room, and you're like, oh my god, that's so cool. They hunt aliens, and so I don't know. No, who's I was in. like, that's so dumb. That's a fucking cheap <laughs> shot across franchises. I remember seeing that and being pissed. Like if 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 Alien had any if the like people who make in the Alien movies had were like that petty what it just they could have put a thousand dead predators in an Alien movie but they didn't <laughs> they had their own fucking shit had their own story to tell right okay so anyhow there were all these Alien and Predator crossover movies you might have heard of them Alien versus Predator <laughs> so I'm just is that ass- what that movie was about I'm just assuming that they're they exist in the same universe somehow but here's the thing is that the the storyline behind one of the alien versus predators was that the reason Mayans and Egyptians made pyramids was because the predators came to early man and said, Hey, this is how you worship us. Right? So right there, you've got two alien races, the, the engineers as well as the predators interacting with humans since like we were fucking cave people. And 
So th- just in that alone, I'm like, okay, so now you've got two visitations by two alien species. Is that ever going to be reconciled or ever touched or acknowledged? Hopefully, God, I hope not. I mean, it's, I I went into this movie kind of not, hopefully hoping that that the entire alien versus predator offshoot could just be fucking tourniqueted off the entire franchise. Right. But on the other hand, I I came in expecting it to. In 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 what ways it overlapped the universe of the Alien series that we we know that it would it would dovetail into them, mm-hmm. but it didn't. Hmm. It was it was about eighty percent the same as that universe. It's like the planet they they go to is LV four twenty six in the in the original movies, mm-hmm. and then in this one when they find it on a map, it's like. LV two twelve or something, and I'm like, is are they? Is it supposed to be a different planet in the same system? Is it supposed to be the same planet, but we're in like a slightly tweaked version of the same universe? They have these things that are like obviously like visual callbacks to the alien eggs that they have in the derelict spaceship, but they're share like they're completely physically different things they have this you know and then and then in the ultimate the final scene of the movie they have this ridiculous creature burst out of the guy's the the engineer's chest which is like again it's like 80 percent the same as the alien that we know Oh, that's that's funny because the part that pissed me off the most about that scene not the shape of the alien not not any of that but the the fact that he wasn't in his chair because when they, when they first landed in the first alien movie, they, they go aboard the ship, which is, you know, shaped like a big U because that's the way it came to rest. But the engineer, you know, as they call him in this film and the other film, they called him the, the space jockey. Space jockey, right. He's sitting in his chair with his chest burst open. They're like, it looks like something blew out of him from inside. Rapid decompression. I don't know. And so, that's that was your first introduction to that species as right. well as the fact that these you know the alien creatures come from the inside out violently and like none of the changes they make add to the plot in any way i mean there's no reason they couldn't have made it dovetail perfectly into the existing movies like they wouldn't have lost anything no. by no. by correcting these inconsistencies we didn't really need to see much more interaction with the engineer he only needed to be there for a minute, as long as he was the incubator for the alien who laid the eggs that the people in the first ship, uh, the Nostromo, uh, found when they investigated LV-426 or whatever it was. Right. It only has to, it only has to allow the possibility that, the, that later the events of the movies that we already know can take place instead of actively undermining them. Right. And uh, it, just while we're on it, sorry to, to sidetrack you for a second, mm-hmm. but wh- when you saw that creature in the flash shot of the movie, wh- what was your feeling about that manifestation of this of this creature? Um, I was okay with it, and here's why. I'm all right with the xenomorph looking different in its different incarnations depending on what creature it came from. Uh, the engineers are biologically different from us. So I'm fine with it not looking like the alien that we're used to it looking like. But it needed to be able to lay a fucking egg. 
<laughs> is the thing. It, 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 all of those spots that were left with the canisters, right. those were not eggs. There were going to be no face huggers in them. What, my feeling, so. my feeling on that creature when it came out of him and it's and it had its little like its first breath moment is mm-hmm. like this is this is what you get when when someone's trying to make an alien, but they can't violate the copyrighted alien design from the alien movies. So like this is the alien from the arcade game Xenomorph or like this is one of the aliens <laughs> from Contra right. where it's like just close enough to the creature but they have to change some major thing or like there's a Ninja Turtles cartoon plot where these aliens come out of pizzas mm-hmm. right like these eggs get incubated in this like evil pizza place <laughs> and then the aliens come out and they're so obviously like derived from the Giger alien but they have to change just enough. And they, they looked exactly like this thing. Maybe it's actually a prequel to the Teenage Mutant Ninja Turtle movie. Yeah, it's probably, it parlays perfectly <laughs> into uh, the secret of the ooze. <laughs> well, no, uh, because uh, Michael Bay is working on the new Teenage Mutant Ninja Turtles movie, wherein they're actually aliens. <laughs> no joke. Fucking fantastic. So maybe there is a crossover happening oh, in the future. That would be so good. Um, that would really I, I would I would have to revisit all of my complaints about Prometheus if it turned out it was a Trojan horse uh Ninja Turtles prequel. For a Michael Bay project. Yeah. Fuck yeah. me. That would be fantastic. Yeah. <laughs> oh man. So So let's let's I, I got you off track there for a second. You were you were gonna talk about a couple things starting with the end. Okay, so here's my next issue. Is that the way she got the fetus out was she got into this amazing machine that took the time to say, hey, sorry, this is a machine for dudes. If the machine had said, this machine is specifically calibrated to this dude, you know, uh, whatever, sure. the guy from Wayland, whatever his name is. Specifically, sure, his name is Wayland. Specifically, yeah. Mr. Wayland, if it was specifically <laughs> calibrated to him, that, Grandpa Wayland, that might make sense. But for it to be like a gender-specific model, where it's like this one will only work on dudes and this one will only work on women, doesn't make any sense because women's bodies are far more complex. <laughs> I was just like, this is pointless. No, I think I think it was. I mean, it, it felt shoehorned in, but I think they they very deliberately made it that it was. This is a this this machine only services men because I think it it, it was a real of its moment, you know, contemporary piece of plotting that uh, that a machine that in this male centric world is determining whether she's allowed to basically abort this thing or not. Yeah, but it, I. I that aside, I thought that was one of the the best scenes in the movie was because it, it actually like it, it it drew a really like visceral reaction out of me, which is something that the Alien franchise, when it's at its best, is able to really do. Right, right, I agree. So and the, there's the that. creature, of course, the creature that comes out is fucking idiotic, and I'm just right back in this <laughs> fucking stupid movie. I just really wish was completely different. Okay, so let's how the way that she got impregnated, her her boyfriend or husband's uh, drink got spiked by a spiteful android. Right. Um, 
you need to get back to defending this movie because I'm I'm <laughs> one of us. Only one I'll, of us gets to I'll, be this mad. Okay. No, no, no. I'll, I'll touch on the on the positives here shortly. Sure. But so the purpose of the dude Wayland coming out of his hyper ch- sleep chamber to meet the the engineers is intrinsically opposed to unleashing a biohazard directly onto the ship. That directive makes absolutely no sense when you compare it to uh, Wayland's ultimate goal, which is talk to the dudes about how to prolong one's life, because mm. that's what he wants. So unleashing a fucking biohazard completely uncontained in a, in a non-scientific experiment is counter to his actual motives. Yeah, I mean, David's motivation through the entire thing makes no sense. <laughs> he, he acts so just counter-rationally and also so differently than the androids in the other Alien movie franchise movies that I, I really was waiting for the for the big surprise of the movie to be that he's not an android at all, just a man pretending to be an android for his own ulterior motives. Oh, man, that is some... <laughs> that's some really fucked up, like... The psychology right there. Well, because the first Alien <laughs> movie is that is is it's a major reveal and, and horrifying moment to find out that Ash is a android, and I thought that a reversal of that re- surprise would actually right. have been kind of a clever, you know, I- inversion of uh, the audience's expectation. There. Here's here's how I would have played that thing. If I if I needed to have like a creepy android kind of thing happening in in my storyline i don't think i would have made him totally android i think i would have made him like an early version of part human part android Hmm. like you know maybe they're still trying to figure it out and they decide to go full android at some point in the future because this is just a really unstable you know marriage of human and android like i'll never go full android right (laughs) so if if I would have gone that way, where it was more like cyborg and not 100% android, then the black goo could have just corrupted it because it's all fucking nanomaterial. And right. shit. Uh, but yeah, having having an android on on the ship doing these things really didn't make any sense to me because Wayland was on the ship too, and what he wanted was contrary to the android's actions, and the android android was supposedly acting on his behalf so that part didn't really make a whole lot of sense to me no no Uh, but nobody's after the first like quarter of the movie nobody's actions make any sense (laughs) really like so they they get on a ship (laughs) like charlie like our our lead male scientist right he Mm -hmm. he becomes infected with this thing from the black goo um and the way he deals with it is he he has this meltdown and then he asks someone to flamethrower him to death in front of his wife. Like, is... is well, that's obviously I, the most rational well, way to fix Well, I mean, yourself. he's a scientist. Doesn't he want to share what he's figured out? Like, what's wrong with him? He's seen this thing happen in his eyeball. He knows he's, you know, could have been in contact with some foreign body. He doesn't know well, specifically how he got dosed with the goo, but, like... Doesn't he want? Doesn't he want to pass along this information to like right, other? Right. Instead, he's just like, "What? No, just flamethrower me to death." It's, you know, my, my wife deserves to see this fucking thing happen. 
And then, like, you know, a little bit later in the movie, his wife goes through what, I mean, aside from watching her husband just get burned to death in front of her at his own, you know, request, goes through this unbelievably, like, nightmarish, like, physical trauma to get this thing, this writhing creature out of her own body. She staggers out, like, bleeding and, and bumps into Wayland and is like, oh, hey, this guy's alive. Like, does she, it suddenly it doesn't matter to her that she just went through this, like, surely the most traumatic event of her life? Right. And it's, it's like, the, maybe does she already I, think that they already know about u- uterus octopuses or something? <laughs> I agree. I, I mean, it's like that thing from a scientific standpoint, even if it came out of you and it was horrible, you would probably want it to go into a jar. If you're a scientist, if you're like... Well, she, she doesn't she want to, like, say something to somebody <laughs> about what just happened? Oh, by, by the way, there's an aborted octopus Is it really room. so shocking that this guy was woken up from hypersleep that she just suddenly right. has forgotten about right. this thing that just happened? <laughs> oh, man. So... And I don't even get why he pretended to be dead. Couldn't... You, couldn't I mean, what what would it have changed about any anything that anybody did if he just said, like, I'm going to be in hypersleep, you know, wake me up when you find out what's going on? That's why I'm funding this mission. I'm shaking my head now. You can't really see, but I I agree. There's not really a whole lot to be gained. It's no, but nobody behaves in irrational. I mean, and don't even get me started on just like things like when they're running from this like disc shaped thing rolling at them, they run directly in the line of its crushing <laughs> path instead of, as you can see, when she falls and then rolls 10 feet to the side, she could have just run 10 feet to the side and avoided the fucking thing. Yep. I think a lot of people were like, what the hell is this doing in the movie? Because, like, it's you're not going to outrun the train, but the train is confined to the tracks. Right, so exactly. So as soon as you step off of it, you are out of harm's way. Yeah, that's like um, a slapstick level amount of just poor self-preservation. <laughs> uh, come in, Prometheus. Uh, we have a elongate reptile type creature maybe maybe 30 40 inches with transparent skin it's beautiful (laughs) prometheus we have two look at you look at you baby Jesus, look at the size of that. What is it? You need to stay calm, okay? Be calm about it. You need to stay calm because she is beautiful. What the hell makes you think that's female? She's a lady, look. Okay, so then the other thing, uh, the two scientists in the ship during the storm where they weren't able to make it back in time, even though one of them had programmed these little robots to fly around and record everything and map everything yeah see those were fun like i liked those guys those things because f- whatever right. fuck it that's a fun thing to play around with in your mind and they had lasers you know that's cool and they had lasers so they find themselves in this uh in the the jar room i guess i'm gonna call it <laughs> oh uh, by the way i'm so fucking tired of grubs in every film just being mealworms like anybody who's got a pet fucking iguana or uh horned lizard or any kind of a turtle even they've everybody has seen mealworms they are not unique and scary and alien use your goddamn cgi budget and make something that we haven't seen make something weird looking you know where people are like ew what the fuck is that not something like oh i feed those to my pet <laughs> like that's not freaky 
So well, they did once it got it. Once they came in contact with the liquid, it turned into this like white cobra with no face creature. Okay, so so you're it, basically it's the storyline for the Teenage Mutant Ninja Turtles. Well, at this point, it is right. <laughs> they, came, they came in contact. Yeah, it, and it turns first for no for no reason. It just turns you know a hundred times bigger, and it becomes a ninja um, and attacks a dude. Its head changes, and it wants to first break his arm and then climb in his suit and then go down his mouth for no fucking reason and then later jump out uh, and scare somebody else. In the meantime, like, cutting it sprays, like, acid onto his friend's astronaut's helmet, Mm -hmm. melts the plastic into his face, Mm -hmm. and then later in the movie, the melted plastic has turned him into a zombie person. Yeah. Meanwhile, we go back and w- somehow inside of the vase is a these these a, I don't know what they are. They're like uh, parts of a plant that that gets snapped off by David. He extracts from that a drop of the black liquid. Is it, I don't know. Is that different than the black liquid is just leaking out of the top of it? I, who knows? <laughs> it's, I mean, it's, they're up to their fucking ankles in this black liquid, but apparently he has to dissect the thing to get the drop of the black liquid that he wants. Drops it into someone's drink. So apparently if you drink it with your drink, then suddenly you get like a weird pointy tentacle thing in your eyeball. So- and... <laughs> But then if you fuck somebody, when you have the pointy tentacle thing in your eyeball, they get impregnated with an octopus. It just doesn't, like, nothing. And that's how babies no, are made. <laughs> no, no effect of this thing has any relation to any other effect of this thing. Right. It's I, completely, like, there's no... Con- and I want to contrast this briefly with what at the time was completely unthinkable, which was the life cycle of the original alien creature in the original alien movie, which is which is a, 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 a magnificent piece of uh, uh, creating this creature's life cycle and of narrative clarity, mm-hmm. where it, there's never any question about why this thing is now leading into this thing and why biologically, even though it's so outrageously outside of our ex- like physical experience, the dawning horror and the and the effect of it is that you realize why that happened. Mm-hmm. And it, this movie just completely is goes in the other direction, where it uses this magical black sauce to make things happen that make no sense ever. The only here's here's the only layman layman's like argument for why this could possibly be allowed is that <clears throat> uh, the black sauce magic sauce is um extremely unstable and reacts totally differently given whatever environment it's in and i i'm kind of borrowing a little bit from you know the the android's summation of of the alien in the first alien which is that it's the perfect creature because it's, it adapts to everything so i think the idea was that it's at the alien's base level it's this weird rapidly changing dna that is just you know hyper reactive to its environment and is able to just do whatever it has to do in order to make the most aggressive uh thing out of whatever is around so 
that's the best I can hope to give you for why the magic black sauce does random things at random times, is that possibly the environments are just different enough that it is doing different things. I don't know. I only saw the movie once, <laughs> and I haven't had the benefit of actually talking to any of the people involved in making this thing happen. So, um, Do you think they have any idea why anything in this movie happens? Uh, yeah, I mean, there, there were a lot of things that I think were done for the convenience of moving the story in a direction so that they can have... Oh, yeah, and like outrageous things like David like watches movies about language on Earth and then by the time he gets there, he can speak this language that's 100% alien to him. Well, I, I'm i fine with him being able to decipher that. I didn't have any, any kind of issue with... Decipher what, though? He'd never heard the speech before. No, but I mean, he, he encountered the written language and then he heard, actually, he did encounter the speech because he sat down in the hologram um, thing and, and listened to them interact with each other, if you recall. It's like in uh, uh, Down by Law where... Uh... What's his name's character? It's just it's, it's a sad and beautiful world. Buzz <laughs> off. Just repeating the only two things he's heard in English. Uh, buzz off. <laughs> yeah, maybe that you know maybe that's why the 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 guy ripped his head off because he was saying something incredibly offensive just because it was in the wrong context. Right. I prefer that he was really grumpy because he got woken up. Yeah, who does Who likes getting woken up like that by your and kids? Essentially, like, fuck them, dude. You don't. I don't have any coffee, and you <laughs> you brought your robot here. And look at this douchebag. I'm just gonna rip his head off and club you with it. Yeah, it's like the, it's the engineer becomes the most sympathetic character in the movie when you look at it that way. But here's the thing: it was almost a classic 1950s alien sci-fi film uh and i've got a special spot in my heart for that which i mean those are the movies that i really really loved when i was you know uh 12 (laughs) you know my childhood was filled with like war of the worlds and Mm. the blob and uh uh the day the earth stood still and uh forbidden planet and um so this had that same kind of feel throughout the film. Even though completely ridiculous things were taking place, it still had that feel, but it had a newer look to it. And I, I kind of liked that combination. Like, I know that they did The Day the Earth Stood Still. I know they already remade that, and they remade... Uh, War of the uh, Worlds. War of the Worlds. But both of those lacked the thing that made those great films they they sucked they they didn't have that kind of um innocence and naivete that the that the originals had with them and this had some of that somehow like the uh, the horrible stupid octopus monster at the very end fighting with the engineer even though i thought that was the stupidest looking creature um, that totally had a 1950s alien monster feel to it. That whole, that whole thing with the engineer, it's like that was maybe a solution that would have come up in the 1950s. Hmm. Uh. So, if you if you set out to make a movie and you basically don't constrain yourself to 
to like logical cause and effect in what happens in the movie. If you're going to be if you're going to introduce this Deus Ex Machina liquid that basically makes the next thing you want to show on the screen happen happen. If you are going to be able to pl- write a plot that doesn't have to follow any rules. You can make any fucking thing you want happen in this universe where no one acts rationally and no no effect per- like comes from the preceding cause then why not make something more awesome happen than this giant guy wrestling an octopus and then a ship falling down <laughs> like that's lack of vision that went into that uh it's 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 disappointing and i think that that's why i came away from this movie feeling like just a huge blown opportunity just a complete whiff yeah i have to, i have to watch i have to put uh prometheus into a different sandbox I've already kind of come to terms with the fact that that universe is just constantly being reimagined. Hmm. So mm-hmm. I have to um, I have to accept that Prometheus is another reimagining of it. Uh, I think that the future of the Prometheus uh, reboot is with the engineers and not really with the aliens, and that could potentially be interesting. I'm glad you used the word reboot. Do you feel like this is a, re- a reboot of the franchise? I think it is. I think I think that Hollywood has been just rebooting for the last, I'd say easily the last decade. Um, it, yeah, I would say it's a reboot. Because it, 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 it was confusing. It, I, like, and like I said at the beginning, it, it seems like it has too much in common not to be the same, and it has not enough in common to be consistent. Right. So I guess you could treat it like you maybe treat the Batman reboot, where it's it's meant to be the same you know universe, but with a different set of assumptions and and stylistic choices going in. And there were definitely parts where I was let down personally because what I wanted was the thing that enables the films that I'm already familiar with. So in summation. I was okay with the film. I enjoyed it, but not probably for the reasons that it was intended to be enjoyed. So it's it just reminds you of, of an old like kind of scary monster movie where no one's motivations necessarily have to make sense and and you don't have to understand this creature to know that it's scary or fun to watch. I think specifically the big the big octopus uh creature Coming through the door is uh, is the part where it really fulfilled that 1950s uh, creature shock hmm. kind of kind of moment. It's like, <laughs> and you know that's that was the part of the drive-in where you're like, yeah, you know. Sure, <laughs> so, but what a meager payoff! I mean, for that to, for that to be the the culmination of everything that the movie is building to, like really just if you're gonna if you're gonna throw out the creature designs from the franchise and make something completely from whole cloth that's a pretty weak you know candidate to feel but the other thing to keep in mind is that there's also a large number of people that are unfamiliar with the other alien movies they're not gonna just be like reciting the canon of the alien franchise and being like oh you can't have that the space jockey's gonna be sitting in the seat it's to me it just comes off as another fucking mediocre movie that just unapologetically plunders 
the original ideas in the Alien franchise. It's yet another yet another movie with nothing else going for it except what it's lifted from those. Except now there's an excuse because it's Ridley Scott doing it. Um, I would say if you were unfamiliar with the Alien franchise, you would probably probably would have received more enjoyment out of this film because it's a f- it's very few and far between. Uh, science fiction films where you see people actually behaving on behalf of their own self-preservation. They they tend to not. Most most characters behave irrationally and they're subjected to strange stimuli and you go, why the fuck would you do that? That doesn't make any sense, you know? So I'm sure. I'm not gonna hold but that I'd against also, I'd also I'd also say that most science fiction is bad. Yes, I would say that as well. <laughs> I think we're in agreement. <laughs> Fantastic. John, thanks so much for talking to me about this. Hey, Jesse, I've appreciated uh, the opportunity to do that, and uh, thanks for, it's been a lot of fun. for doing this with me. Yeah, thanks, Ridley Scott. Thanks for Prometheus. Yeah, Ridley Scott, you fuck. <laughs> thanks for blowing Prometheus. <laughs> I mean, not oh, like man. giving up. Well, you know, messing, you know. Don't, thanks for... God, how do I get out of this? Yeah, two engineers, one canister of magic black fluid. <laughs> Is that the next logical regression? I think that we're just about there. Okay. All right, man. Let's do it again soon. All right, brother. Take care. Bye. Bye. All right. I think we can call that one in the can. On the next episode, I'm going to be joined by Aaron, a guy who I know you will love as much as I do. I'm going to get a hold of him now so we can have a quick chat about the movie that he and I are going to be doing and our expectations going into it before we rewatch it here. So let me get him on the line here for you. Hi, Aaron. How's it going? The first movie uh, I was going to talk to you about was RoboCop 2. We had a really good conversation about RoboCop that may have been lost uh, to to the horrible computer problems that plague all of us. Time has treated RoboCop one pretty well, in my opinion. Yeah, it um, totally holds up. And I was I was wondering if you thought maybe RoboCop two would be the same. I I'm gonna guess no. Um, I don't quite remember when the last time I saw it was, but it's probably been ten years or something. Sure. Um, I remember watching one of them and like definitely noticing the politics and noticing that they were sort of the opposite politics of uh, RoboCop 1. RoboCop 1 kind of had this overt, like oppressive fasc- fascist system. And had, had a pretty, a lot of pretty direct allegories to, you know, the kind of Reagan era privatization of, uh, you know, government. Right. And I think in RoboCop 2, the big theme was that like hippies are scum and we should kill them with robots. If not RoboCop two, it's got to be some Frank Miller plot. It's a lot of a lot of his uh, stuff has that plot. <laughs> Sometimes we have to kill him with Batman or something. Yeah, I remember being a little traumatized by it because it was a little more adult than I was quite ready for. But there was one scene that I, I that that we imprinted on my mind specifically, and, and it wasn't a particularly violent scene, just strange in that the consciousness that was put into the second RoboCop robot was from a a drug kingpin or a drug dealer, one of their kind of the police's enemies. 
so what they had done instead of like building on a robot onto its body, they had they had taken the corpse of the the, the dealer and recovered the still living brain and eyeballs <laughs> from it. And there was a scene, and and that was that's what they eventually put into the to the hulking colossus like anti Robocop machine. But there's a scene that it's in it's in like a bubbling kind of con- like. A cylindrical container like suspended in the fluid or whatever and there's two people talking to each other in front of it about what they're going to do with it and in my memory this brain and eye stock thing was like looking back and forth between them as they talked <laughs> and I don't, I don't know if that's what was actually happening in that scene but at the time it was scary in hindsight it you know there weren't any ears or anything so I don't <laughs> But that's about the only visual thing that I recall from it. What about you? Um, nope. I remember there was a RoboCop, and I think he fought some anarchists. That might have been RoboCop 3. RoboCop 3 is the RoboCop where RoboCop can fly. I don't think he could fly when he fought anarchists, but it's hard to tell. Yeah. All right, Aaron and I are going to go watch RoboCop 2, <laughs> see uh, if we were right at all uh, in our memories of that movie, and... I would love if you uh, did the same and came back for our next episode and joined us. Again, you can head to inthecut.org and you'll be able to see all the ways you can watch RoboCop 2 now. And uh, I hope we talk again uh, next time. Thanks a lot. Bye.